Joe Sportsnet 590, the fan band. Frank Gunning. Leafs, Rangers again tonight. Leafs trying to pick up yet another point. It's been like a month uh, since the Maple Leafs had a regulation loss. They're really good at picking up these points. No, uh, you could have just stopped there. They're really good. Yeah, they're 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 pretty good. No. I not. feel like saying What's, really good so, means that they're they're yeah like the, having the golden a, knights. Well, they're having a regular season that they haven't had previously. This okay. is a 115 point team that we've seen during right. the regular season. They're they're good. Like they're, they're there's no. I'm not debating okay. whether they're good, but like really good. Okay. feels that's like fair. a little too no, much. How about pretty fair. good? They're Pre- pretty good during the regular How about season. This? How about pretty 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 good? Yeah, yeah, they're they're okay. I just love LD. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm done. Uh, criticizing the style points thing when it comes to these 60-minute or 60-plus-minute regular season games. I will say that whenever I I have a tweet, say, about something that happened in a regular season game or a point about a a, a regular season topic when it comes to Mm -hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs, invariably I get a response of, Bam, talk to me in April. Exactly. And I, they all I sound like that. I don't. I can't control time, right? Like I, sure. Is it? Would it be interesting to yeah, hit know, fast forward? It's not eight fifty-five. That's how I know you can't control time. <laughs> would it be nice to like hit fast forward and see exactly well one what this team looks like post trade deadline and two whether this is finally the year uh, the the first and eight that they can fulfill their potential and and go deep into the postseason, God forbid, win a Stanley Cup. I would love to see that, but we can't do that. You would? Mm, Me too. Uh, We can't do that. And in fact, I wouldn't want to do that. Brent, I would say, and like we just finished having this conversation about the the Ottawa Senators Mm -hmm. and the lack of regular season success, and we've talked earlier in the, the season about how the Edmonton Oilers, while they've had higher highs in the postseason, they have factually missed the postseason despite employing Connor McDavid, that there is not a, a, they have not had the type of regular season success that the Maple Leafs have had for all seven years mm-hmm. of the Austin Matthews era. I would say there's one regular season where I didn't have a great time. Yeah. And that was the 1920 regular season. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that the, the, the season was put on hold and that invariably does play into it. That like yep. March of 2020 also happened, but that was the season in which Mike Babcock was fired. Yeah. Right. Like that was actually kind of a highlight point of the season. God, that penguins game right before so dark. Yeah. And then Sheldon Keefe took over and they looked a little bit better and he put Tyson Berry in scoring in, right away in positions to succeed. But yeah, Tyson Berry was part of that team. That was the Yuck. David Ayers season. Oh. And, and I would have loved to have seen things play out normally over the course of the 82 games and whether they would have made, missed the play. That might've been the year where they missed the players. They were totally right possible. there. They were yep. right on the cut line. Uh, I think, if I recall correctly, the Blue Jackets might have actually been the home team it was in that points percentage. So yeah, they were. That was yeah, a, like that was. Leafs have more t- points. Jackets better points percentage. Who knows? Like that—that that was a team that did not add at the deadline. In fact, we're taking calls on Tyson Berry, and if they got mm-hmm. anything resembling value for him, I'm—I'm I'm sure he would have. They would have subtracted from that team. Canceled the meeting with Zach Bogosian after the David Ayers game. <laughs> right. This—that was a one regular season. During this era where I could say, eh, what wasn't necessarily the most fun to watch this team. For the most part, though, and I know it's not the most important part for people, mm-hmm. including myself. Like, yep. the, yeah, flags fly forever. Mm-hmm. We, we live in a weird 
system in North American pro sports where we play the most regular yeah. season games, but they have the least meaning because it's all about what you do in the postseason. I get that. That's mm. all true. Yeah, don't say weird. Good. But, but don't we underrate what this team does during regular seasons? Not only do they rack up hundreds of points mm -hmm. a year, including 115 a couple years ago, but they have great individual performances that this team is worth a damn. Day in, day out during the regular season, Brent. Do we do we have to always have a conversation about this Leaf team involving their postseason failures, or can we just talk specifically about the regular season while we're in it? I think we do lose track of the moment while we're in it with the regular season, but I think if we're going to sit here and talk about that stuff, that we have to talk about it in and this is not the way this sport specifically is wired, but in individual terms. I think if you're going to sit here and talk about how enjoyable the regular season is on a regular basis, that the Leafs give you a good product most nights, they have star power up and down the lineup. I think the story of that is, is Matthews going to get 60? Is Marner going to finally be a 100-point guy? Is Nylander 50 and 100? All of that. Like, I think that is the appreciation that comes in the regular season. And part of it is what we talked about at the very beginning of the show today, not our Christmas shopping and, and being in a winter wonderland, but once we actually got to the sports of it all, the idea of the, there being a lack of litmus test teams and I think that because of that that it does become a more individual story in the regular season what are the stories we tell ourselves about this team yeah when the when the decor fell to shambles last year, we talked about a more defensively stout team. But what are the stories we talked about? Spent the first 20 games of the year talking about Nylander. We basically talked about Austin Matthews every game since he cooled off because that is what you're there to appreciate in the regular season is, yes, a team game, but the individual greatness that you get to well, witness 82 times. That, that, that's the way I look at it anyways. And and this particular team's ability to come back in hockey games. Totally. Is, How can you and, take that for granted? You never should. And score six on five. To that point, like how different is this regular season than previous incarnations, right? Like I, I think earlier we were talking about the possibility, and I guess the possibility still exists because of the flattened uh, talent pool, that there mm -hmm. is a, there's a battle for a, a playoff spot right until the final day of the season. I, I think yeah, I've moved off that. Like, I think they're going to be well entrenched in the top three in the, the Atlantic they're division. They're third in points percentage in the conference right now. Yeah, I think that's not going to be an issue. Like, what is different about watching this regular season than last year's regular season or the regular season before that? Or, I mean, every regular season except for 1920. You know what it is, is that uh, for a, for the first time in a little while, not at the deadline, but at the beginning of the year, there are new pieces of actual import on this on this team. You know, like TJ Brody was a big free agent signing. That was interesting to see how he fits in. But what have we been getting ourselves excited about in the summers before? It's, you know, we were all right to get excited about it. Even those of you who tiss tiss uh, me and Paul Bissonnette saying, I'm so excited about Michael Bunting going to come here. But those were the types of players you're talking about. And then it grows into a great story. I think the reason why this regular season feels different is one, the team feels a little different. Like they're a little nastier. They're well, a little meaner. It. That's number one for me. That is number one. But why is that? Is it partially because of growing up? Maybe, but it's mostly because Max Domi's a jerk and Tyler Bertuzzi looks the way he does and is always going squint-eyed at somebody. And Ryan Reeves was on the team for a period of time. Like, there's a, there's a myriad of factors outside of that. But I think that's the reason why, is that the new pieces on this team, even throw Matthew Nyes into the occasion. You know, I know he's been poking around and he played last year, but he is a new piece for this year's team. 
that they actually matter. It's not your fringy pieces around the core. And yeah, I think a big part of it is the style with which they play, but I don't think it can be overstated that the there were big free agent signings for the first time in a while with this with this team. Yeah, to me it's it's the Again, like this is such a, a polarizing word. Heart. Like, yeah. does this team appear to have more heart than we've seen in previous incarnations? Again, like, I'm not going to do the extrapolating to what that means mm-hmm. come April and May for this team because who the hell knows? Like, I, I, I'm i done forecasting <laughs> that because I would have thought that, yeah, three consecutive games against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the, the North Division bubble where they allowed one goal with three different goaltenders. Yeah. That, like, that would have been a pretty good indication that team was going to have postseason success. Uh, they blew a 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens. So, like, I'm done doing yep. that. But as far as, like, variety is concerned, that is that is something I'm, I got my 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 eye on when yeah. it comes to, yeah, the the... The willingness for this team to go to bat for each other, the the import that one person can have on this core, and it feels like Max Domi is 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 having that yep. kind of in, an impact on young players like Matthew Nyes. Well, when we talk about the new set of eyes, I think you know, like we don't, we will eventually get to a point where we no longer look back. But that's the biggest difference, and you know, like Tyler Bertuzzi has been a player who this fan base specifically has talked about for a really long time did never feel like that was a point of priority or even real interest for Kyle Dubas. Same can be said for Max Domi as well. And I think that, you know, true living, I don't think he's going to bat a thousand here. I don't think he has from the jump, but I think that you can, without a shadow of a doubt, say he clearly, whether he values it more or just goes out and does it and makes it a point of priority, he clearly feels his team needs to have some of that in it. And that is just such a massive departure from what we've seen. And again, Kyle Dubas went out and had a big kind of change of heart at the deadline last year. Your O'Reilly's, your Achari types, those weren't the guys he's bringing in earlier on in in his tenure. But I think that it's just kind of a continued evolution of that, and that is why people are so. I won't say even over the moon about this team, but they're much more intrigued than they've been in regular seasons past. I yeah, think. and can Austin Matthews get to 60 goals again? Uh, can he get back onto a 70 goal pace, which he's not on anymore mm-hmm. after missing the game? Uh, on uh, what day? Was I that? don't know. Whatever. Oh, Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Because I was, uh, I was, I was in a blood fueled rage because how dare Austin Matthews not play Saturday night at home against Penguins? Yeah, but apparently going to be good to go, or they're expecting him to be good to go tonight uh, against the uh, New York Rangers. So yeah, there's. I mean, I don't know. Sixteen teams. When we get to the postseason, there's probably you can probably make the case for sixteen teams to win the Stanley Cup in the NHL. To me, in the NFL, after the Monday night or mm-hmm. yesterday, how uh, many teams reaffirmed? Um, my belief that there's only one team in the NFL that can win the Super Bowl. I mean, not can. Okay. But like, usually in North American pro sports, yeah. especially that sport in particular, with yep. the salary cap, with like the turnover of teams outside of the playoffs that end up as division winners, yep. like it's it is a a league where you can make the case for a lot of teams, a lot of different years. Mm-hmm. This is, by my accounting, for the first time since. The 07 Patriots went undefeated throughout the course of the regular season and notably did not win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. that year. But for the first time since that 07 season, yep. I look at the San Francisco 49ers, and if you put them against the field, I I, I have to take the San Francisco 49ers. There is nobody that looks as wart-free as the Niners. Now, they, are are they a perfect football yep. team? No. Not necessarily. They, they, they lost three straight going into their bye, right? Like in... Notably lost to, you know, some teams that are not exactly juggernauts and a Bengals team without Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and, and a Browns team without 
They, All those things happen. Any starting quarterbacks. Yeah. PJ Walker start. Yeah, I remember. But the Eagles stank. Like yep. just lost to to Drew Locke and the Seahawks. And I know Jalen Hurts was was sick and maybe not at a hundred percent in that football mm-hmm. game. But yeah, look at them the last month or so. Totally. We know well, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about the the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs and how diminished a version of that team they appear this season. Like we're making the case for a Buffalo Bills team, okay, that they look pretty good right mm-hmm. now, but look at the way they've played for the last two months and the fact that they're still like yeah, a, a maybe a week 18 loss to the Dolphins mm-hmm. away from being on the outside of the playoff picture. There's nobody that you can make the argument for like you can make the argument for the team with two MVP candidates in the San Francisco 49ers. I can't remember an NFL season where I felt that way. Uh, it's weird that I don't disagree with much of what you said except the conclusion you arrived at. It only emboldens me more to take the field and that you we just laid out the case that this 49ers team has lost to dreadful teams at certain points in time. And do I think Kyle Shanahan with the bye week to prepare for whoever he is going to have to deal with is going to be super, super well set up to succeed? Yes, I do. But I think I would be emboldened to take the field. So the point you've been making, I can't believe I'm about to jump on this now, but the point you've been making about the Chiefs all year, who's going to beat them in the AFC? It would have to be an AFC team. Like, okay, what if I just said, hey, the the Niners are the field in the NFC? Yes, that I think is is much, much, much more easy to buy. Just factually, somebody has to be in the Super Bowl from the AFC. Well, yeah, (laughs) but I also look at it and I say that I am not, I'm not going to sit here and say everything I said about the Eagles three weeks ago, a month ago, but I also think that we have seen this movie before where there is a team that looks dominant through the first, whatever, 10, 12 weeks of the season. They get banged up. They get some injuries. Games don't go their way. And then all of a sudden they have the regroup heading into the playoffs. So I'm not, I am not sitting here telling you the Eagles are on a level playing field with the 49ers. I'm also not ready to pour dirt on them. I know that that is, I am very alone on that and island right now. I got the shovel I'm not ready. ready to do it. I know you do. You've had, you've had the shovel ready since yeah. the second they finally lost their first game or they lost their second game of the year. Like you've been dying to pour dirt on them. So I know you got the shovel ready. Yeah. I, I think they're fine, but yeah, the idea that they're in that same echelon is the nope. As the Niners, like to your point, nobody, nobody is. It's still football, and the, and I know you're going to get upset at this part. That's still Brock Purdy. I'm not ready to just hand him the Super Bowl yet. I know you're not necessarily doing it, but if you're giving me the old no, Tiger, I, am. I actually no, am yeah, okay. Him so the if you're Bowl. doing Tiger versus the, so Tiger, so what's so is it that the 49ers are Tiger Woods in his prime, or is it that the rest of the NFL is the PGA Tour during that time? Like I like I, I understand both sides of the argument here, but it's like. I took the field when Tiger was in his prime. I'm definitely going to take the field when it's the 49ers uh, that are that are sitting at the top of the pecking order. Yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little different. We were talking about a, a golf tournament, and yeah, the the randomness exists with like that number of golfers mm-hmm. and somebody getting hot over the course of of four rounds as opposed to the NFL. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, I honestly, if you gave me even odds on the Niners or the field to win the NFC, I'd yep. take the Niners. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's probably a, that that's is a fair. bad bet. That's fair. Um, our guy, Nathan Rourke, has a new address. Yeah. He is... One Patriots way, I think. Yeah. He, yeah, he's a New England Patriot now, which means what exactly? I'm not 100% sure. But here are the, the, the quarterbacks, some of them that have played in the mm-hmm. NFL this season. Thanks, bud. You, you may recall... Uh, <laughs> 
Hey, does Tyson Bajan... Can you do your best, Troy McClure? You may remember them from films such as... Tyson Bajan, that was a guy... Oh, he was my... I actually think he was my favorite guy. Yeah, we had a a dalliance with Tyson Bajan. P.J. Walker, of course, Bailey Zappi. Drew Locke just won yesterday. Taylor Heineke's played. Easton Stick. Great name. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Nick Mullins, Andy Dalton. All these guys have played in the NFL on NFL fields this season. Why can't the CFL's most outstanding Canadian, a guy who's only 25 years old, yeah. who was the standout of the preseason, get on the field somewhere this year? And I, Because I, I, he I made a bad bet. Yeah, I can't imagine it's like a quick turnaround that he's on the field for the Patriots this week, and it's not an ideal situation considering, well, one, the, the weapons they have or lack thereof offensively, and two, the willingness to mm-hmm. win, like, which maybe makes it a curious mm. acquisition. Um, but yeah. My God, can we finally see this guy on an NFL playing surface? The good news is, is that, uh, you know, for all you NFL roster nerds out there, we all, we all know this rule uh, for whatever reason. He now has to be on the 53-man roster for the rest of the year. So that is good. We had yeah. the moment earlier this year where we thought he was going to get in and he wasn't active. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that goes. I think that it is a, it's the question we had about Rourke when he ended up signing with the Jags at the beginning of the year, when I had him on the show in the summer and, or leading in, or it was even, it wasn't in the summer. It was in camp. I asked him that exact question and you know, he, he talked about the weighing the idea of being in an offense that suited his talents versus a, a place where he potentially had more of a direct line to opportunity or at least competing for, for an opportunity. And Hey, like we all make bets in life and, I'm not going to say it's a bad one. He's still in the NFL. So clearly it's worked out okay for him. Yeah. But if he was in, I don't know, pick your, raise your hand and pick any of those spots. It's like he couldn't have got in over Tyson Bajant or yeah. something along those lines. I would love, love, love to to see him get a chance to play. I don't know that's going to happen. But to your point with the Patriots, I mean, they've been going back and forth between Mac and Zappy all year. They can't like Mac seems like a non-starter for them right now. Bailey Zappi seems to have this icy relationship with Belichick. Stranger things have happened than Nathan Rourke getting in a game. I'd love, love, love to see it. I don't know why you make this move and, and you don't plan to have him play at least once, get a look at him. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe you just, some idea. Maybe you just hate is. Mac Jones so much. You want to bring another body in to steal reps from him. There, it is. A, it has been an odd, odd My year God. in New England, and a, ever, basically ever since Mac Jones got drafted. Tommy DeVito, like man, there's just been so many guys we'd never heard of. Like Jake Browning is good, I guess, but like there's just so many. Uh, yeah, but, floats but here's the thing: we would have this season there. There's, I'm not going to say it definitively would have happened, but I'm not ruling out the chance that we wouldn't have said, yeah, Nathan Rourke doesn't suck mm-hmm. if we would have got to see him in an NFL game. And we wouldn't say that. We'd say he was amazing and he was balling. But that's what they would be saying south of the border even. Like, it's it's entirely possible. Buddy, we had positive conversations about Tyson Bajan. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. did do that. <laughs> and his dad, who was an arm wrestling champion. Yeah, that was a fun who you week, got, week-long who, story. Who you got? Tyson Bajan's dad, Big Dom. Oh, my God. Uh, like in a fist fight? Or, well, you, arm wrestling, obviously, I'm going to take the guy who's the I feel champion. Like you got a knot. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a decathlon of old man strength. It's like opening jars, mm. arm wrestling. Poor Big Dom stuck in the booth yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Well, I they guess also poor. had him shepherding in. It's like, hey, Jalen Hurts is sick. You should walk really close to him for a while. Mm. I noticed that when he was walking him into the stadium. I don't know. Didn't yeah. love that. No, that probably doesn't happen. But up. yeah, Big Dom, it, he's got to take a back seat for a little bit.
Because uh, he is the guy that un- unraveled the Eagles season, right? Like it was already going that way. And then he touched, I think it was Fred Warner or whoever it was on the, uh, on the Niners there. And basically been bad news ever since. That's a great the curse point. of big Dom. Yeah. Again, more reason to believe uh, in the Niners against all uh, potential upstarts in the NFC. All right. Time now for something to chew on brought to you by great Canadian meats. Could have been a great moment in the NHL to see Mark yeah. Andre Fleury and potentially his final start in Pittsburgh against a Penguins team in which he's, you know, won some Stanley Cups. Yeah, a bit of a figure there. Instead, he's going to start on the back end of back-to-backs for oh, the great. Wild against the Bruins. Um, <laughs> when should a team prioritize things other than winning? And and should it have been yesterday? And again, what could have been? Now, Marc-Andre Fleury has not said explicitly yeah, that yeah. this is it, the end of the season. I think we can all envision a scenario where he hangs him up and There's already goodbye. been the moment where he went back to Montreal for what, again, is like right. not definitively, but uh, he has hundreds of family in the stands. Yeah, and they were, they were chanting his name yeah. yesterday in, in Pittsburgh. I, at what point, though... Considering mm-hmm. the expectations for that wild team that's already gone through a head coach, and yeah, they're just trying to stack up victories. By the way, it, it didn't work. They yeah. lost. Um, <laughs> like, at what point should should things other than winning start taking priority for for professional sports franchises? You can you can walk and chew gum uh, at the same time. Sheldon Keefe has proven this here in Toronto. It's a guy who gets it. Uh, when they're in Sweden, he starts all the Swedes and Max Domi and Morgan Riley because I guess they're both honorary. When Boreas Salming, when they had the night to honor him here, just kind of worked out well that Schalgrim was going to be the goalie anyways, but he puts all the other Swedes out there to start the game. And I understand the argument people are saying of, hey, a starting lineup's a little different than a starting goalie. You're the wild. You fired your coach. You knew what was coming. That's the other part of this as well, is that you have the cap penalties of hell from Parise and Suter and the cap recapture and everything that happened there. You knew this was a lost season. What is wrong with you? What's quite frankly, you know, I understand in theory, 10 goal. What's the point of having Mark Andre Fleury on the team? If you don't lean into the good vibes and the happy feels and all of that. And he's a decent goalie. Still give him the game in Pittsburgh. I cannot believe it. It is just such a, honestly, it is such a selfish look at me move of I'm a new head coach. I'm a hardo. I'm going to show these guys. We don't care about anything other than winning. Even Mark Andre Fleury having his moment in the sun in Pittsburgh. Ridiculous. Like I, I shouldn't even get this worked up about it. I didn't think I was, but the more I talk myself in circles around it, how can you be so short sighted? You're the wild. You're having a year from hell. Let the guy have his game. You, well, and and not only that, you are playing the back to back. So like, yeah, Philip Gustafson and Just Mark Andre Fleury are going to start <laughs> these. You're going to have two goalies for these two different games. I understand. Like, yeah, maybe you're doing the Mike Babcock thing where you yeah. give yourself the best opportunity sure. to win the front half of that. That sure. didn't work out, but it's like, it's, it's yeah. Six and one half dozen. The other, it's not like you're talking about prime Henrik Lundqvist. No, no, I, I it's insane. Yeah. That you wouldn't have thought about Does things it not re- outside of the hockey. No, no, game but yesterday. I think he did. That to me reeks of again, like Evanson oh, well, got like, fired not that long ago of no, no, we care about one thing, one thing only, and it's winning here. We're not yeah. gonna do the thing where we give a guy a going away present because he's gonna retire at the end of our no playoff season. I, I do I agree I do you don't that, think there's some element to that. So why else would you not do it? You're just so your head is just so in the sand yeah. and no one in the org has thought to say, Hey, this is gonna be a story and we're gonna look bad. No one thought that. Because that's damning on everyone else too. Honestly, I, I, you, you could, I wouldn't disagree necessarily with that line of thinking if there was a clear delineation between the two goals. I don't know if Gustafson's having a better year than Mark Andre Fleury, but mm-hmm. like, if if it was in fact 
a run of games and and the Wild that actually what won three in a row, four in a row yeah. leading into that game yesterday. Um, yeah, if there was a real, real reason you can point to as being like, hey, we're actually like trying to get ourselves back into playoff position here, and this this is like quite literally something that inhibits our mm-hmm. ability to win. And, and while it's a great ceremonial gesture to start them in this game, like we can't do it because Gustafson's on this incredible heater. Yeah, no. You're starting your two goalies in the next two games. Why it's would nuts. you not just flip the order? It makes nuts. no difference. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it does. It harkens back to like no Jason Spezza in game one of, of the regular season. Yeah. Um in front of friends and family because he, what, needed to learn the penalty kill? Like, no. No, because Kyle Dubas needed to to learn a lesson, according to Babs, I think, is what that was was all about. But then we hear that Babs was the guy who's like, you got to make Dubas the GM. God, what a confusing error that was. Maybe one day we'll get to the bottom of it, to what we talked about yesterday. God, what a, what a story. And you know who I would have liked to have heard from this? Never going to happen. He has his own fish to fry of a team not in the playoffs right now. I don't like... He's not yet on the last legs of his NHL career. Don't you want to talk about don't pour dirt on people? It's like Sidney Crosby, maybe MVP season here, but yeah. I would have loved to have heard, yeah, that's disgusting. Or like, <laughs> that's classless from them. They should have let Fleury play. You're never going to hear it from him. That seems extreme. But, well, okay. Disgusting is, is a lot. Classless. I yeah. like that. I yeah. would have loved that. Could yeah. you Could you imagine the news cycle we would have got out of Sidney Crosby calling John Hines classless? Yeah. It would have been a thing. I think we would have talked about it, uh, honestly, until he retired. We would have been like Sidney Crosby, Avenger of all all friends and former teammates. Probably would have come uh, earlier than an hour and 20 minutes into this show today. Probably. Uh, I think we might have led with it. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk to a man who's all class next. Jason uh, Bukula, Sportsnet hockey analyst, joins us next. As the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports Night 59, the Fan Band. It's Brent Gunning Leaves and Rangers tonight from Scotiabank Arena. First game after uh, Matthew Nyes got into his first career NHL scrap in which mm-hmm. he just he's blacked out. Love uh, it. And, and he's broken the seal now. And I, su- I Calling suppose... Calling it again tonight? I, I don't I, think so. No. And and that was a part of his game that I didn't necessarily knew existed. You know what? I'm sure he didn't know I it existed. Say, he did not know either. Um, He's got seven goals in 26 games this season, 13 points. It, it hasn't been a season in which he's spent the entirety of it on that top line with Austin Matthews. And he's among the team leader in hits. I I do wonder what the bar is for for Matthew Nyes in his first 82-game regular season in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I think you're you're seeing it kind of continue to get raised. I think everyone was was hesitant to dump too much on him, given that he'd played two regular season games and a handful in the playoffs. He looked good, but you know, we've seen players come in, look good and take half a step back. So I actually think they've been really smart about the the way they've used him. And I think that he's kind of met the expectations while showing that he still definitely has a lot more to his game. That's continuing to grow. It's really nice to see. Let's talk to Jason Bugula, sports and hockey analyst. How's it going, Jason? Uh, happy holidays. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Good morning. It's good. Yeah, a little snow on the ground this morning, so it kind of feels like Christmas for a few days. It does. Potentially a white Christmas, which is important. Um, so we are just talking about Matthew Nyes, his first kick of the can uh, in, in an NHL regular season. 
um, a full one, uh, not just the the handful of games he played at the end of the last regular season before his postseason. Are, are you seeing him develop? And, and Saturday's game kind of stands out, with, at least physically, from him. Yeah, pretty much exactly what I forecast that he would be able to do. You know, 15 minutes a night, I think, around on average. 14 and a half, 15. I don't have some spitball in here, but... Um, I think what you see is uh, is what you can uh, project into the future here. Like this is a this is a guy that uh, if we think back to when the Leafs uh, had really kind of a, a mix, going back to the Gary Roberts type of years, and um, Matthew Nice is going to be able to do heavy lifting for your group, even when he's not scoring goals. So this is the type of player that will extend plays along the wall, get his nose dirty in the hard areas, big body. Obviously what happened on Saturday night was a huge uh, step forward in terms of, uh, you know, identifying, uh, you know, a situation and, and he's confident enough. He said he kind of blacked out, which I'm sure he did, but uh, you know, it says something, doesn't it? It says that, uh, you know, he's programmed a certain way and, and let's be honest, we haven't really seen that from a prospect uh, through the Leafs uh, pipeline in, in quite some time. And um, I like what I'm seeing, fellas. That, you know, I think that you're going to – he'll play out to be a 20-plus goal scorer as he matures. And, uh, you know, he'll provide that uh, big body at the top of the lineup that uh, everybody's looking for. Yeah, I mean, you just see the size. That's what jumps out. I mean, it jumped out from the jump last year, but even, like, you see the locker room stuff the Leafs will post after the game, and you just, like, you see him with the shoulder pads off, and it's like, are you sure he doesn't still have them on? Like, he just looks like such a big, (laughs) big, strong guy, and it is nice to see them kind of have that in the fold. The thing I was wondering about, and, you know, I'm always hesitant to give other players credit for something another player does, but how much of Nye's having that in him, and, you know, like you said, he blacked out a little bit, is the fact that he's got he's riding shotgun with Max Domi there. And, you know, Max Domi is that type of guy. We've seen him jump in to defend a teammate at various times this year. And, you know, the Leafs top six, we've talked about it a million times. They don't they aren't necessarily built that way, but they have a few more of these guys, be it a Bertuzzi, obviously, you know, Revo not playing with the team right now, but him being in the mix. And then the fact that Knives was playing with Domi there. Like, do you do you take anything from that that the that playing alongside a player who does have that edge, maybe it, it kind of bleeds into eyes a little bit yeah i think that any young player that comes into the the dressing room and he's really made his first loop around the league like this is a guy that hadn't even played in every arena in the league you know or rode a plane for a couple of months uh with the group and you start to you start to digest it all you try you absorb it all and it's you know eventually you he's smart enough to say that you know, here's my role. I'm a power guy. Here's the requirement. Uh, I'm, this is the way I like to play the game anyway. So let's not, let's not sugarcoat it. Like what guys who do heavy lifting guys who, who do the things that you're seeing that he does. And, you know, we talked about this long before he arrived, right. You know, we were seeing it at Minnesota and, and even before that um, you're just programmed a certain way. And, and yeah, it's nurtured when you get in the NHL lineup, you see other guys doing it around you, you know, you know, the saying goes that, when you, when you play on a, on a line, you know, Domi's not the biggest guy, but, you know, he obviously gets his nose dirty. And, uh, you know, that adds an extra couple inches, an extra 10 pounds to your frame because you feel like everybody else or people around you are doing it. And I don't know. It starts with your own mentality, though, fellas. You have to be programmed a certain way. It gets nurtured, and then you answer the bell. I uh, I like it. I like it a lot, to be honest with you. I think this is, uh, this is a big... 
a big component of what the Leafs need going forward. And it's nice that he's a homegrown talent. Yeah. How, how can you not like it? And, you know, I don't want to belabor the point. There's plenty else to talk about, but I think it was you who, who pointed this out to me last year when we were talking about knives might've been Sammy cause as well, but the idea of how refreshing is it to see a guy like that coming out of college who, you know, maybe, maybe some people roll their eyes at it and think, Oh, come on. Does that really change? But he's not wearing a cage anymore. You know, this isn't Fraser Minton or Easton Cowan who's been wearing a visor since they were 16 playing against guys. You know, there I've heard people make the point before the guys can kind of change who they are a little bit, getting to that league and taking, taking the cage off. Like how refreshing is it to see that that really doesn't seem to have hampered him at all. It almost seems to have kind of emboldened him a, a little bit. Yeah. He, he would have played college hockey with no cage. I mean, he just, he <laughs> plays, he just plays hard guys. I mean, the, the thing I keep coming back to, you know, if we could rewind the tape to last year when we were talking, we I think we were all in agreement that while well, you guys were hoping and, you know, guys in the scouting industry were seeing it, that again, a, a guy you can put in your lineup that's going to do heavy lifting around skilled players, it's going to benefit everybody in the group. And he identifies that way. Um, you know, it's it's a nice mix. And, and I, I see this confidence in him that uh, – that's refreshing. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Listen, there's going to be some ebbs and flows through the course of the year. It's, it's a marathon. 82 games is a marathon and it's not going to be perfect, you know, but uh, boy, oh boy, you know, he's been walking on a, on a cloud since the weekend, uh, feeling good about himself. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he should. Um, the Leafs have a couple of prospects that should feel good about themselves being uh, members of the Canadian World Junior Team, and, and you're going to hop on a bird and go to Sweden and watch that tournament. But Fraser Minton, Easton Cowan becoming the first two Leaf skaters to, to play on the Canadian World Junior Team since Mitch Marner and, uh, and Travis Dermott uh, about a half decade ago. Uh, and, and looking at some of the line combinations recently, it looks like both of those guys are going to play on the power play for Team Canada. How, how can playing in this tournament uh, help their development? Well, I mean, it's high leverage uh, every night. So that's that's the first thing. Like, you, you get to experience that type of atmosphere in a short window where, you know, you're required to play at a very high level every shift, uh, every night. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Minton adjusts. Uh, right now, it looks like he's going to play the wing um, instead of center with, uh, you know, just the way they have their, their roster assembled with Celebrini. They want Celebrini in the middle. They, they tested him out a little bit on the wing at, uh, at camp, but Minton's flexible enough to do that. His hockey IQ is, is really high end. So he made the team out of training camp, the Leafs that is, um, based on, yes, his performance in Traverse City and then obviously running the table with a, a very, very solid training camp, ran out of gas. But there's no question he was playing the game the right way. I think everybody would agree with that. Even when he was running out of gas, this kid plays the game the right way. And he's going to be used in, I believe, all situations for Team Canada over there. So that's going to be, you know, again, high leverage scenarios, great, great opportunity to continue to build on what he's already done. Um, and then he returned to Saskatoon. You know, he got traded, obviously, from Kamloops to Saskatoon, the WHL. And they have a real good team that could contend for a championship. So good news all around there. Easton Cowan. Um, I have to be honest with you guys, Easton Cowan's training camp, it was solid. There's nothing the matter with it. Um, it. He was right on the bubble for me, and it's good to see that he made the team. Uh, he'll play to that identity of being an energy, up and down the ice type of uh, guy. On the power play, I think what you're going to see out of him, if he's playing the bumper or net front area, not really net front area, but around that area, is his puck retrievals. His quickness, his quickness of space to get a puck that spills 
uh, that's what guys like Easton Cowan are really proficient at, right? Extending plays. And uh, again, nice story for the Leafs. Uh, I, I was kind of shocked. I don't know how you guys brought the ball because I lose, t- <laughs> I kind of lose track of time, but to see that, that they were the first two guys in, you know, what feels like forever now yeah. um, to, to make the roster. That was, that was something in itself. Yeah, it's uh, it is it's surprising they had the one goalie and Scott there a couple of years ago. But yeah, as far as skaters go, it had been a while. I, I want to stick on the Leafs, but you mentioned Macklin Celebrity. I have to ask you quickly about him. You know, if he was a more typical Canadian kid, you know, I don't know how much everybody knows the backstory. Basically, you know, moved to California for his parents' work effectively. But if he was, you know, if he was up here, he would have got, it feels like he would have been one of these exceptional status guys. But because he's a little outside of our, our bubble, it feels like he's maybe less on the radar than a player of his caliber should be heading into this tournament. Uh, how much of a, you know, not a coming out party in the hockey world, because everyone who pays attention to scouting already knows that what this kid is but because of the college hockey aspect and not coming up through the you know the the whl system how much do you think this is going to be kind of a moment where uh the the people who aren't as plugged into junior stop and pay attention to this kid here because everything i'm hearing is that he is you know maybe not bedard but on that next level of special yeah that's well put by you i mean he he went to shattuck st mary's you know everybody's pretty much familiar with that program and in Minnesota, and then obviously one of the Chicago Steel in the in the USHL before going to Boston University this year. Um, guys, this this kid is on the same trajectory as a Fantilli type. Um, I've read stories where there's some Jonathan Taze in him. I also see some McKinnon in him. So what you get out of him is a play driver who it's plays a good quick gump. and fast. <laughs> he, he plays quick and fast up and down the ice, and he's a bulldog. So. When he doesn't have the puck, he wants it back. If he turns it over, he's not quitting on the back check. You know, like some of skill guys, we've all seen this, right? Like skill guys who score a lot. When when things break down off the you know off the rush, or if they turn one over high in the offensive zone, they've got that little uh, lag in their back check. You know, like even that just half second where they sulk for yep. a sec. Um, not this kid. Like his hair's on fire. He's up and down the ice. He won't kill penalties for Team Canada, but he could. Like his hockey mm. IQ is off the charts. I love this kid. He should be right in the NHL next year. We'll see. Um, but you guys are going to enjoy it. people. People who don't know a lot about him. He's going to jump off the page at you very quickly. Tenacious, offense, relentless compete, uh, leaning complete player, I call it. So fun to watch. Yeah, it's a quick tournament, um, but it, it it's one that is obviously the, the highest profile as far as junior is concerned in, in this country and the world. I mean, how important is this tournament as far as impacting industry perception of, of these players, especially as we approach the trade deadline? Well, it's really important. And I, I would argue that it's gotten even more important over the years. Uh, obviously, we all know the, the, the cap constraints that we all live within. But draft capital is so important across the league. And I know everybody who's just a fan, you see on the surface the your immediate roster. Like, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's like, how can we get better? What can we add? Well, the underbelly of that, fellas, is, you know, how much draft capital do we have? What are we looking at at our prospects? Like, Minton and Cowan, they will be under the microscope even more uh, within the fraternity, if you will, at this tournament. Because if the Leafs, for example, look to add something at the trade deadline, we all know that a team is going to be asking for one of these two players because the Leafs don't have a ton of draft capital. If they can go off in this tournament, it only makes uh, or only increases their value. Um, so it's, it's exceptionally important. 
Uh, the flip side of this, though, is I will tell you this, too. It can be misleading at times, these short tournaments, uh, two-week windows, whatever. You even see it at the men's world at the end of the year. You see a player goes off, plays at a really high level. You know, maybe he earns a contract as a free agent, comes over from Europe out of the world, for example. Um, you have to keep things in perspective, go off some historical performances. Uh, not all hype in a short window. But because these guys are younger prospects, it's, it's, it's a lot more important. Yeah, I know you're. I know you're locked into World Juniors mode now, but I I know I can throw this at you. Uh, back to the lease for a second. Martin Jones uh, probably going to get the start tonight. You've been in. You've been in front offices, player personnel groups, all of that. You know the track record of what Jones has been lately. You also know the track record of what he's been in the league. How do you think the Leafs front office is sitting there thinking about their goaltending right now? I I don't think they've sat. They're sitting there going, "Oh, we've got this gem who's going to be our starter in Martin Jones." But I bet they're maybe a little more confident in him than most people would think. What do you think the internal uh, mindset is right now for the Leafs regarding their goaltending? Well, for now, they're more confident in you know Jones than they are in Samsonov. There's there's no question about that. Um, just the mental makeup of it. Jones had a really good training camp, fellas. Like I tracked him pretty uh, pretty well through camp. You know he is a big body. Um, you know as long as he's playing with uh, composure between the posts and and not spilling too far left or right. I mean it's easier said than done. And you know, but he's got to use his big body. Is what I'm trying to tell you. He's got to let the puck come yep. to him. He's a veteran guy. Like. Um, is he the answer? No, he's not the answer. Can he catch lightning in a bottle for a short period of time? I think he can. Um, the Leafs have been an interesting case study because, you know, they've, <laughs> they've had all these overtime games. They've, you know, had some, some significant injuries on the back end. Uh, Nylander is supposed to start in the middle at the beginning of the year. There's been a whole bunch of different things going on, yet they continue to win games and find a way. I think that the staff is comfortable enough right now in Jones, but behind closed doors, they're also concerned about, you know, where are we going when Wall gets healthy? Because, um, you know, the elephant in the room again is Samsonov. And the, the longer that he sits on the sidelines and doesn't regain some consistency or some confidence, um, his mental capacity to come back and, and win the net is going to be uh, significantly less uh, – realistic i would suggest yeah uh it could be an interesting decision upcoming uh when joseph wall uh gets uh, healthy again which won't be for a while but yeah it could be one of those uh real interesting roster moves all right jason uh have a good time over in europe thanks for doing this awesome guys uh, hopefully we can talk when i'm over there i'll give you some uh, live updates from the ground uh, and if, if i don't talk to you before then happy holidays thank yeah, you yeah Same you to you. too jason see ya there's uh, Jason Bukula, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst, going over to Sweden for the World Junior Hockey Championships. It was as a uh, Leafs flavor. Yeah, for, for once. The, for the first time since, again, Mitch Marner, Travis Dermott were the last two Leaf skaters. And, yeah, Ian Scott played, like, one game when, when yep. he was over there as a goalie. I think I've told this story before, but when there were two Leafs in that tournament, I was uh, at an establishment uh, having a, having as a is beverage, want. Yeah. as is my want, uh, with a uh, former fan host. And uh, we ran into uh, Michael Babcock who was taking in some Leafs action there. And because he loves talking hockey, he just sat there chatting for 20 minutes. Well, I think his wife was like, can we leave? Please? <laughs> so yeah, guy loves talking hockey. So every time I think of that, it's the, it reminds me of how uh-huh. young in this business I felt at the time. And I'm like, oh, God, that feels so long ago. And it has been a while since the Leafs played in this tournament. I can't wait. It's very exciting to have just guys back in the, 
in the feel of that tournament. Like it's, there's something having, you know, a prospect that belongs to the team. It's, it's exciting. It's nice. Yeah. And it's not everything, right? Like you do have to take the entire body of work and, mm-hmm. and, and what but those not players if they, are doing. Not if they play well though. We yeah. don't have to body of work. Who cares? They're going, they're going to the league is what oh, yeah. we got to say. I mean, or like say Trade Fraser them. Mitten, yeah, like goes ham. Like all of a sudden he's racking up a bunch of goals, which yeah. is not necessarily his MO. It's mm-hmm. like to be a full, a 200 a foot player and, and play in all situations and be defensively responsible. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can convince somebody that he is the centerpiece of a, a larger deal. Who knows? Yeah. There's a lot on the line for these two prospects. Last thing quickly on that is I don't like the tenor we're already taking with the Leafs not having a second round pick of, well, what's Trey Living supposed to do? He had to give him the first for whoever it's going to be. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm tracking the uh, the tenor of that conversation and maybe Minton or Cowan ends up factoring in instead. Uh, we'll see. All right, time now for The Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bat, local, Leafs, Rangers, Scotiabank Arena, the return engagement after the uh, Leafs ported on offensively at MSG last week. And this one pretty close to a coin flip. The Leafs minus 115 on the money line. The Rangers minus 105. The total six and a half, which the Leafs uh, were able to surpass all by their lonesome in the first matchup between these two games. The over minus 105, the under minus 115, Brent. I'm tempted to go with the over here just because of the way the last game played out. And again, I I'm confident ish in Martin Jones, but I'm also not forgetting who he is. So yeah, let's go with the over there. Six and a half minus one Oh five. I think that's what I'm most confident in. I'm actually going to take the other side of that okay. thing because yeah, the, every time is one of us will be right. <laughs> every time you think the leaves are going to zig, they zag. Yes. So yeah, give me, give me the under. Mm, that zag this. could be given up six to the Rangers. <laughs> I suppose that's also true, but yeah, give me, uh, give me the Leafs and, and Rangers playing a low event hockey game after the Leafs have played a bunch of high event hockey mm-hmm. games recently. That's uh, unlikely to continue for the rest of the season. All right. Sportsnet West has the Edmonton Oilers, uh, on the East Coast, playing the Islanders on Long Island, and it is the Oilers favored on the road, minus 133. The Islanders plus 110, the total in this game, also six and a half. I am going to take the Islanders on the money line. I know they have not had a good season, but the Oilers, uh, I think their run's going to come to a close here, and a team like the Islanders that just gums it up, makes it such a slow, ugly game, uh, just feels like the kryptonite for the Oilers right now. So little value there, plus 110. Give me Isles on the money line. Yeah, I like that one. I mean, the the Oilers stubbed their toe a little bit in their last couple of home mm-hmm. games uh, against the, the the Florida teams. Man, there's only... Yeah, you have an eight-game winning streak. Eventually, that's going to come to an end. But the idea that this is just one of the streakier hockey teams in the mm-hmm. NHL, I think, is very much a possibility. And that was the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, man, another NHL head coach uh, is fired before mm-hmm. Christmas as a DJ Smith. Handed his pink slip yesterday. We'll talk to a former Jack Adams Award winner, Bruce Boudreaux, who's also the head coach of Canada's Spangler Cup. Say hot Spangler talk, talk coming up. I said it. What do you want me to do? No, I just wanted you to sit in it for a bit. Yeah, okay, we can do that. Bruce Boudreaux, can't wait to talk to him. I feel like we should kind of play that clip for him. I feel like if anyone in the world would appreciate it, it'd be Gabby. All right, Bruce Boudreaux next. The fan morning show continues. Ben Adams, Brad Gunning, Sports at Five Ninety, the fan.